Before we get started, a message from our friends at Keeley Companies. At Keeley Companies, they do things a bit differently. They proudly call themselves Keelians. They pride themselves on swag that will knock your socks off. They have a dedicated vice president of learning and education. They have their own philanthropic foundation called Keeley Cares. They empower every Keelian to speak up if they feel unsafe. They have the most competitive wellness challenges around. They are committed to being better leaders of diversity and inclusion. They aren't afraid to dream big. And in the words of my friend, Rusty Keeley, they're just getting started. Check out more information on them by going to KeeleyCompanies.com. Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. I want you to think today as we jump and dive into this podcast about individuals who have profoundly shaped the entire arc of your life. Maybe it was a parent, a pastor, a rabbi, a phenomenal teacher, a sibling, a spouse, a child. Maybe you had a lot of interaction with them or maybe just one time you met them and something in that conversation, in that dialogue, changed the rest of your life. Well, today... I have the opportunity and the honor of bringing on such a guest into this program and now into your life. His name is Rusty Keeling. You're going to learn about his story today, but as we dive into his story, first, our interactions. I met Rusty many times growing up. We lived in the same community. We went to the same school. He's a couple years older than I, but we did not ever really spend much time speaking with each other until 2005. It was at that point that my mom and dad wrote their book about the story of their little boy named John O'Leary and his fire and all that happened, the pain that we went through, the community that showed up, and what happened as a result. People in our community started reading this book, and it started first in the, in the tens, and then dozens, and then hundreds, and then thousands. Well, one of the individuals who read that book and then invited John O'Leary to speak was a business owner named Rusty Keeley. He had me speak to his organization he came up afterwards. He's, by the way, my first professional client. We had three or four other kind of volunteer type organizations that brought us in, but this was the first business that brought John O'Leary in. I was nervous. I was sweating, I think, the entire time. He came up afterwards, put his arm around me. He's got a nasally voice, as you're about to hear, and said, O'Leary, that was awesome, but you got more in you, brother. You got more in you. And then what he did is he set aside time for one of his senior leaders on his staff and his father-in-law, his name is Dick James, to take me to lunch, to then invest two and a half hours working with me on a new speech. And he said, John, I'm going to invest this time in you so that you can come back to my organization and do an even better job. I believe in you. So I did. Spent a couple of hours with Dick James. We wrote a new speech. I delivered it in front of the organization. And, he, and then afterwards, Rusty came up and said, O'Leary, that's what I'm talking about. Now we're on to something. Now we're on to something. With that, Rusty texted to 12 of his friends who run small businesses or large businesses that he has a friend. He has a speaker that they need to meet. His name is John O'Leary. 
And with that, call after call came into my phone because Rusty Keeley made a direct introduction. Years later, as the business continued to grow, I had an opportunity to begin a board of advisors. The first individual I invited to become part of the board for Live Inspired was Rusty Keeley. He'd been with me all the way. He'd made introductions. Through his introductions, we'd sp spoken to more than 100 organizations because of one guy. When we launched the Live Inspired community, when we invited people to join us at a live event in St. Louis, Rusty Keeley showed up at the table of his senior leaders. When we did it again the following year, Rusty Keeley was again there. When I rolled out a book called On Fire in 2016, it was Rusty Keeley who bought 1,000 books to give to his friends, his clients, his family members, people in the community that he knew would benefit from the book On Fire. He did something similar when In Awe came out recently. And today, my friends, I have the opportunity of announcing that with the Live Inspired podcast, our first ever sponsor of this podcast is my friend, Rusty Keeley. We've had individuals, we've had organizations, we've had opportunities to have sponsors step alongside of us now the last 300 episodes. We've refused up until this point because it's never been a cultural perfect match. The synergy has never been there. But today, with the announcement that the Keeley Companies is sponsoring the Live Inspired podcast, you're going to hear not only organizationally why they are a perfect sponsor and partner with us, but why individually, Rusty Keeley his heart, his mind, his passion for others is a perfect match for our brand and for this podcast. Woo. So I'm, I'm humbled. I'm excited. I'm fired up to bring on to our podcast a guy that I've looked up to not as a business owner, although he's outstanding at managing, leading, and growing a business. But I've looked up to this person as a human being. He's a servant. He's faithful, he's loving, he's all about investing in the community, and you're going to hear the stories of that upbringing right now on the Live Inspired Podcast, brought to you by the Keeley Companies. The name of our guest today, my friend, you may want to write it down, is Rusty Keeley. He is my friend, and soon, after you hear his show, and after you listen to his story, he's going to be yours. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, buckle up for the ride and join me in celebrating our sponsor and my friend and yours, his name, Rusty Keeley. Rusty, whew, brother, welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John, thanks for having me today. I'm very excited uh, to be a part of this. Man, it's, it's not every single episode that I get to bring on a guy that I look up to as a mentor, a guy that I get to consider a friend, and a guy who has been fundamentally instrumental in every single thing that I've done within my professional career. So man, this for me is an honor and it's going to be a little bit less today focused on the business, although we could have three podcasts focused on what you've done in your professional journey, a little bit more focused on your heart, because I think that's ultimately why you've had the success you have had professionally. So Rusty, for those who haven't yet checked out your story and don't yet know about the work that you do professionally, though, let's start there. What, what, what is your business all about these days? Sure. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, say, you know, I remember seeing you when you were a young man, newly burned, going back to school and having the courage to go up on the altar and do a reading and then watching you and your first professional journey. And, uh, you know, from your first speaking engagements to podcasts and, and how you've inspired and changed the world is absolutely incredible. So I want to start off with a, a quick thank you to you for, for being John O'Leary, being a friend, but also 
inspiring us too through your family, your love for Beth and your kids. So uh, I am truly grateful to have you in my life. Um, as as um, who I am during the day, it's uh, I'm the CEO of the Keeley Companies, and um, you know it's a platform of six different companies, uh, primarily focused on construction and development and infrastructure and technology. And uh, you know I'm really blessed to work with a great group of people. We have 1,800 people. We call them Keelians, and uh, it's neat. I feel like uh, I'm having fun every day. I'm living the dream, and it's a uh, it's a it's a great company, great culture, and I'm lucky to be part of it. We are going to talk about that great company, that great culture, some of the leaders within that company. But again, it's going to focus primarily on your heart, Rusty, and that heart is part of the outgrowth of a mom and dad who loved you well. I knew your parents. I know your father. I, too, look up to Larry. But I want you to begin by telling us, uh, our listeners and me, a little bit more about your mom. Talk about mom for a bit. Oh, my mom was uh, just an incredible lady. When my dad um, and her started dating, she was a, a school teacher and had a reputation for being a little bit quiet and shy. <laughs> and there's uh, there's there's a gene or an it factor that happens when a woman gives birth to a child and uh, becomes a mom. And you know, my mom was certainly part of that. And she was a uh, she was a hard driver. She was very motivating. Um, she was loving, but yet uh, motivating and and held you accountable. And um, but she was she was great. She was true inspiration in, in my life, and uh, she she had such an impact. And if you were in my mom's circle, you couldn't get out. But to get into her circle was uh, it was pretty tough. Um, but I had I had a great upbringing, and and she was uh, somebody that I'll, I'll forever be grateful for. And then equally yoked uh, to you, as your mother was, is your father Larry. Talk about Larry. Yeah, so I, I'm lucky, right? I, I get to uh, follow in my father's footsteps. I mean, he was an entrepreneur. Um, he had been in the construction side of the business with uh, his brother and ventured out on his own in 1976. Uh, he was a paving company, um, went to work with uh, Monsanto and a few others. And yeah, I joined uh, in 1992 when it was about five million dollars, and he was always he always had a family culture. I mean, there was there was a, just a a series of families that he worked with and he nurtured, and and he didn't treat people like they were employees. He treated them like they were people, like they were Keelians. And yeah, when I look back, he gave me an incredible opportunity. Um, I think after I earned his trust, and his father passed away when he was young, and so my dad. Um, was fearful of the same, and he gave me the opportunity to buy him out um, when I was uh, 27, and uh, that was just a phenomenal opportunity. But at the same time, the opportunity was being able to work with him. He was an entrepreneur, right? He had quality time at home, but we also know that that means there's not a lot of that quantity of time when you're an entrepreneur and starting your own business. You're sort of a jack of all trades, and you know through the years from joining the company to growing the company. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's over 80 now, um, and he is just, he's an icon. He's the most humble guy in the world. And, you know, what, what I ask him to do, so to speak, is walk around the office and say hi to people and visit job sites because, you know, I mean, he, he has such an impact that he doesn't even realize. And he's just been a phenomenal mentor. He's given me incredible opportunity. Um, I think that he should write a book on how to bring a son into the business, family business. I mean, we, we're, we're not at odds. Uh, 
we may differ in opinions and we're able to talk about that maybe outside of the boardroom, so to speak. Um, but he's just been, when you think about somebody, you know, taking over a business and supporting them, especially um, as family, uh, he's just, he's outstanding. So he's doing great um, and just uh, continues to love life and, you know, play golf and come to the office when he can. Uh, and it's, uh, it's really just, I'm, I'm blessed to have him be such a, a wonderful part of my life. You know, there are many of us who have what's called a father wound, like just very limited or a negative experience of being raised by either a father or not having a father in our lives whatsoever. You don't have that wound. And not only did you not have it as a child, but you got to receive this mentorship and this love and this guidance from your dad from the moment you came into the business. What's it been like having a father as a friend, as a mentor, as a board member, as a peer in the business over the decades that you've been growing it? I'm the luckiest kid alive. I mean, it's, uh, it, you know, when you, when you grow up, you hold your dad on this pedestal and it's a, it's a large pedestal and, and you want to be like him and you want to grow up. And, you know, when I think of my dad, you know, all things him, that's, that's what I want it to be. And, you know, having that opportunity is, fantastic you know being able to share those experiences both the good and bad right I mean you know that's it's, it's not always good and you know being able to have a relationship uh, where you talk every day and you encourage each other and and you know you can you can speak from the heart whether you know you're you've just had a great success or you've had a big failure and you just need somebody to, to listen to you or or say you know get up kid you can do it um, and it's, it's been neat and you know it I've also been blessed to have a very close relationship with my mother and father-in-law. And when you think about the impact that they've had on my life, you know, I, I, at one point here, um, they're both sort of trying to retire, but you know, I worked with both dads and uh, to be able to do that um, and a family business that is a positive, that thrives, that doesn't hold you back is, is remarkable, but it, it, it takes people to be humble, get rid of their egos, and have a common goal, have alignment, and do what's best for the business, and understand that those are the decisions, because in our case, we have 1,800 families that depend on us to put food on their table, and we take that obligation very seriously. And so when you think about, you know, the fact that I got two great dads, um, you know, I, I still have one great mother living, um, and uh, Mary James, who's been, you know, when you, when you think about a lot of the things that we're able to do, in the community to change lives. And you think of a truly giving person that is just just put on this earth to bring pure joy and make a difference. I mean, I, I get all of that. So when you look at who I am today, it's really a cul culmination of, you know, great parents, incredible wife, and, you know, awesome team, awesome friends. So, you know, I'm truly blessed, my friend. And, and you know, you, you get it with, uh, with our friend Denny, you know, there, there's nobody better when you think about joy and inspiration and perseverance. I mean, you know, he's, he's a model. I mean, I think about him quite often and he's the uh, same with you. You have this great relationship and I know how proud he is of your success. So you're hearing Rusty now talk about Denny. Denny's my dad for those of us who uh, know the O'Leary podcast, but you may not know exactly all the characters and all the heroes within it. Denny O'Leary is one of my heroes, and he's certainly a guy that I hope someday to become a lot more like. And Dick James is someone that you mentioned, my other dad. That's your other dad, Rusty. It's a guy you worked with. He married a woman named Mary, 
Mary James is the last human being to sit in this recording studio. So I'm recording this in Kirkwood, Missouri today, right outside of St. Louis. And Mary James sat at this table and we had an incredible conversation recently about her upbringing, about what drives her, about what inspires her, about her relationship with our family, about her love of her son-in-law, Rusty. Uh, and we also had a conversation about her love of all of her girls, in particular, a little one named Julie. You've known Julie now for 43 years, Rusty. When did you first meet her? At what age were you? So Julie and I, uh, we went to the same church, St. Clements uh, in Topeka, Missouri. And so we met when we were in second grade. And uh, her family was, as you said, I mean, just the, the model family. I mean, just, just beautiful. So, I mean, I, I specifically went to church at 9 a.m. on Sunday <laughs> and moved our family from the, you know, the left side of the church to more of the center, just so you could see the beautiful James girls, because they were all absolutely gorgeous and, uh, and also kind and joyful. And, and still to this day, they're, you know, Mom James has done one of the greatest jobs ever, assembling a team of six beautiful girls that get along, they talk every day. They encourage each other. They do good in the world. And, and obviously, you know, I got, I got the middle one who is just absolutely gorgeous and has a combination of her mom and dad. You know, she has that, that incredible passion, that incredible love for people. But she also has this, this wit about her, too, where um, she's, she's truly funny and, and has a lot of the comments like her father. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an awesome blend. And, and she's there. She's sort of the middle, middle child that helps, uh, you know, each side when times are good or bad. And, uh, you know, I've been so fortunate when, when I look at my journey and, and Julie and I were, we knew each other, we were friends. I mean, there's pictures of us in high school. And, uh, you know, when, when we started, we became great friends after college, well before we even started dating. And once we started dating and, and uh, got married and obviously had children, it, it really has been a game changer when you think about this will be 25 years and and about two months here and the effect that she's had on me is it's just it's mind-boggling you know taking taking sort of my drive and and spirit and being able to adjust it when she needs to you know she's the barometer of the relationship being right. able to bring a side that wasn't you know all drive and 24 7 business and and saying, hey, how can we how can we take some of the success and how can we change the world into a lot of her passions? I mean, Julie grew up doing mission trips to Haiti. The James family um, adopted a, a little Cuban girl, Jackie Martinez, and has been a part of, of the James Six forever. And uh, if you if you look at history, I should have known what was going to happen in my life a little bit, but um, I wasn't that smart. But when you think about Julie James and and the world i mean she will leave the world a better place than it was when she arrived for sure and she brings just such a, a kind spirit to her with with a sense of humor that is second to none it's uh, uh i'm pretty fortunate rusty you uh when i see you and julie one thing that always amazes me is that you seem like your best friends and it's very common these days to see couples that stay together for decades for decades who may not consider themselves best friends, but very clearly you and Julie are. What, what's 25 years in now, man? What, what has been the secret to that, that recipe? Well, you, you know, we don't have, when you think of like sports or, you know, some of those items, you know, we don't, we don't play golf together. We don't play tennis together. 
you know, I, I always joke with her that, you know, we have, we have a love of wine and then babies and, you know, you never, you never really know um, who's in Julie's car because she's always trying to help others, whether it's, you know, a, a local charity like World Pediatric Project or at the hospital or what have you. She just has this kind heart and that's, that's when she's happy. So, you know, that is one of our hobbies um, and we are truly best buddies. I mean, when you look at, you know, she was part of six girls and now she's part of four boys and, and how she's been able to reach them emotionally and, and she's their best friend, she's their confidant and, and she just has that incredible spirit that she's, she's able to do that. And then, then for me, it's just, I mean, it's just fun to be around her. I mean, whether, whether we're going to dinner, whether we're making dinner, you know, we, we use, I don't watch a lot of TV. So, you know, through the, through some of the pandemic, we've been able to watch some Netflix series with the kids and you just watch her and she's just, she's truly just joyful. So it's a, we're, I'm, I'm blessed. And to have her to, you know, go home when it's a, a good day, a bad day, to have her alongside you when you're, you know, you're out doing a food drive on a Saturday and, you know, she, that's her passion too. And you're together. So you, you know, you drive together, you talk together. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really lucky and, and you're right. It's, it's a two way street. And, you know, I, I think I got the better side of the street um, than she did. We all but, agree. Um, yeah, we, we all do. Yes, indeed. But yeah, she's a, she's a wonderful person. And uh, our relationship isn't perfect. Um, no relationship's perfect. And you have to work on it. And, you know, she's taught me that too, you know, through um, just her coaching, the way she leads me by example. And, you know, she's taught me to be a better person for sure. And when you look at our relationship, it's, it's the same. She's, she's sort of the leader of the relationship. And, uh, you know, I'm lucky to have her. So, man, when, when you start working, when you start your marriage, when you start your life, the business is at about $5 million. It's now almost half a billion dollars. You mix into all of that, the growth in philanthropy, the growth in travel, the growth in, in busyness. Then you have three of your own boys. 2004, you helped start a charity called World Pediatric Project. And then three years later, man, you decide not only to be active on this charity, but actively involved by taking one of the kids on. So will you talk first, Rusty, about what World Pediatric is, and then begin the relationship with Ryan. Share with us how you got involved actively with, uh, with touching a little life. Yeah, World Pediatric Project, the uh, St. Louis group, was originally started as Healing the Children. And it was started actually by Julie's cousin. And ironically, uh, it was, it became, Kate became a cousin through marriage, but Julie and Kate used to do mission work together. So Kate had this dream. And I mean, you talk about a BHAG. I mean, she had this dream that every child deserved access to medical care, regardless of geography. And mm -hmm. she had been blessed by the amazing medical communities uh, when a son of hers was sick. And she wanted to take that gift and she wanted to spread it and so she she had the the entrepreneurial spirit and and started this around her kitchen table and um i will call it wisdom <laughs> she knew exactly what she was doing she reached out to julie uh for help and uh you know i, I remember a time when i came home and julie said hey you know would you be open to you know having a child come live with us um and you know the 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 effort of World Pediatric Project, uh, it, it's global, um, yeah. it's impactful. Um, we've been able to grow to a $30 million organization that affects thousands and thousands of kids. And you know, their, their motto is heal a child, change the world. 
And, uh, you know, we've been fortunate to be a part of that journey. February 2007, the journey begins in a more intimate way. Uh, talk about, you, Rusty, I've heard you speak. I think I'd like to ask the question this way. I heard you speak one time about the organization and about your relationship with Little Ryan. And what you did is you had everybody in the room shut their eyes. And then you took us through this vision exercise of ima imagine this, imagine that. So what I'd like you to do for our listeners right now is to take us through a similar exercise where you have us shut our eyes and imagine the experience that, uh, that a mother might go through as she sends her child away. So primarily we're focused in the uh, Caribbean, all throughout the Caribbean. And, and part of our effort is we send medical teams, over 50 medical teams annually to these islands and they perform surgeries for a week. So what we do is we do all the hard work. We raise the money, we take care of all the logistics and these amazing doctors, when they sign up through us, they just really fly and they get to get back. You know, they don't have to do all the fundraising, everything before. So the effect is just incredible. And then they teach while they're there. As well, we bring kids into the States. Uh, we bring those critically ill um, that we know we can change. Um, and unfortunately, you know, there, there has to be a, a decision of, you know, who, whose life can we impact the most? And so, you know, for me, you know, when, when uh, I came home and Joy said, hey, there's, you know, there's a little Jamaican boy. Yes, Tetralogy of Flow, um, you know, would you be open to us being host parents um, for it? And, you know, we sat down with our boys uh, at the time. They were much younger and said, hey, this is 90 days. Are you guys all in? We're going to need help around the house. And, you know, we might not be able to go on a family vacation this summer. What do you guys think? And they were like, we're all in, Dad. We want to do it. And, you know, so we began this journey. And, and one of the stories I like to tell because, Little Ryan lived in the hills of Jamaica. Uh, he was so sick that he could only walk a, a step or two and he would have to squat in order to breathe. And, and that compressed like his, his air to be able to take another step or two. And so he was just incredibly, incredibly sick. And, uh, you know, the story that I tell because, you know, on the back end, when he got here seven days after he arrived, he had a stroke and a seizure. Um, thankfully, we're at the hospital. And he, he was all right, but we had all, obviously all the doctors. But, you know, so he was, this kid was a week from dying. And then you, you take on it that he, you know, he lived in a, a shack with a dirt floor, a hole in the backyard, you bathed in the river. And it was a journey to get to the airport. I mean, it, you just didn't, you know, hop in an Uber and you were there. I mean, it was a, it was a three hour journey to go 10, 15, 20 miles. And so, you know, imagine this amazing lady taking her son to the airport and uh, I hope your eyes are closed, and you, you, you let your son off, you get him to, you know, security, and you watch, you know, a beautiful, beautiful lady from American Airlines uh, take your son and walk him through, and you see him going down the concourse, and you wave, and you have no idea, because the family's illiterate, um, there's no education, and you have no idea where your, your baby's going. You don't know who's gonna pick them up on the other end. You also don't know where on the other end. You have no idea where St. Louis, Missouri is. You have no idea who this American Airlines lady named Patty is, this angel. And then you don't know who's the family that's gonna pick up your son. What are they like? Are they gonna be caring? And then you also know that your son's so critically ill 
that you're going to have to have a lot of medical treatment and you have no idea. You never laid eyes on the doctors and the nurses and the amazing medical teams that are going to help save this child's life. I mean, what a faith that is that to know that you can drop your son and boom kisses and know on the other end, you're doing the best possible thing to save your child's life. I mean, that, that to me, that, talk about courage, talk about, uh, just an amazing faith. It, it's uh, it's truly, truly a great story. Rusty, when did this Ryan project, taking this little boy in for 90 days and then eventually sending him home, we thought, when did it shift from being about saying yes to Julie to ultimately saying yes to Ryan and really being fully all in, to use your language, uh, for love for him, not for your wife. It started with really love for your wife, but eventually becomes love for Ryan. Yeah, this was a joy project. You know, I was just, you know, on board to support. Um, and, you know, that was, that was, I was going to support her in the effort and the kids were, the kids were all in, you know, and so, you know, Ryan arrived and he spoke Patois and I speak through my nose. So I mean, we had a language, we had a language barrier from day one. And, uh, you know, a week into it, Ryan was so sick, his hands were blue. They, his nails were curved because um, of lack of oxygen. And Julie just sensed, it was Sunday night, she sensed, she's like, hey, you know, I think we need to go to the hospital. And, and we, we went to uh, Cardinal Glennon in St. Louis and checked in and we're in the emergency room. And, and Julie went to the bathroom. Um, you know, so if you're a James girl, you know, when you have a child in the hospital, you're not sitting in a chair, you're sitting in the bed and the child's on your chest. So when she had to go to the bathroom, it was a big deal with all the wires. You know, we had to lift the child off. I had to get in the bed and then, you know, Ryan was on my chest. And so, you know, Joy, Joy left the room and Ryan immediately stroked out and, you know, the red lights come in, doctors come in and, and, you know, I always, I always think of, you know, Julie coming back around the corner thinking I was gone for 45 seconds. How could you screw this up? And, and, uh, you know, that's, that's the moment when it completely changed. I mean, it, it changed, you know, it changed my whole life, but that was, you know, I went from a sport role to we're going to do whatever it takes to save this child's life. And, you know, you went from being, you know, a legal guardian to the kid's dad, you know, this was huge transformation. So that, that was really the magic, uh, magical moment for me. Um, still spectacular, still gets me a little bit emotional, but um, what a journey it's been. 90 days long, and then 13 years after that, the journey continues. Without going into all the specifics, how, how many surgeries has this little man gone through and what would have been some of the low points and, and some of the high points? Yeah, so for, for Ryan, what we, what we didn't know until really that, that day was not only did he have tetralogy of flow, he had pulmonary atresia. Yeah, so we went from, um, to be honest, a case that World Pediatric would not have accepted. It would have been just too expensive and it was too risky. Um, and, you know, when we had him here, he was already here. And when you think about the ama amazing medical teams and hospital systems that took this kid in and you know, never said, okay, well, this is too expensive. I mean, they were all committed. And we still are good friends with, with all of the docs that, that take care of Ryan. But, you know, it was a, a dozen surgeries. Um, he had his last surgery a year and a half ago, October, where they had to go in and, and non-medical terms just really enlarge the conduit system you know since he's 19 now 
and really help him out. And, you know, so he goes through this open heart surgery, you know, and the, the kid's out of the hospital in like three days. I mean, it's just, it's just an incredible, it's a total superhero. Um, and, and he's inspired and changed our lives, but it, it was quite the journey. And you would, at the, in the early years, we sent him back and forth. And that was, that was very difficult um, for him to go home and then have to come back for, for obviously medical um, surgeries and we tried to get him some education in between there and then you know we were fortunate enough uh, when he was when he was getting ready to enter high school it's much different in Jamaica you know really going to high school we were able to bring him here and you know this this little guy love him um, Whitfield gave him a chance uh, the school system and you know he had to really he had to really come a long way uh, the schools in Jamaica versus here and so he had to learn a lot um, just to get ready for you know, high school and, and, you know, a uh, couple months ago, a month ago, he graduated and this year he'll be entering St. Louis University as a freshman. And it's just, uh, it's, he is, he's just an incredible person that's changed all of our lives for the better. I'm curious, looking back on my own story, Rusty, and I very seldom talk about this. I'm aware of it now though, that for five months while I was in hospital, my mom and dad were completely focused on John O'Leary. And for a couple of years thereafter, mom and dad were completely focused on John O'Leary. And sometimes that means they had taken their attention completely off my brother, Jim, and my sisters, Katie, Amy, Susan, and Laura. All the attention was on me. And if I wasn't extraordinarily fortunate and blessed to have the siblings I have, it could have detrimentally affected our entire family and certainly my relationship with my siblings. You and many of the same regards had all of your attention, a lot of your attention on this little boy, Ryan, for years. How did that affect your three, uh, three little boys that you were naturally raising? You know, I, they bought into the, you know, the whole program as, as young as they were, they were, uh, I think very mature that they knew this was going to be a, a journey. And, you know, when I think of the amazing medical team, yes, they had a huge impact on saving Ryan's life. But, you know, also when you think of Julie and the three boys, um, you know, their impact on Ryan's life. Ryan wouldn't be here today without them. Not mm -hmm. only the love, but, you know, he, he would go into a major surgery and come out and be like, hey, when, I can, when can I get home and play with the boys? I mean, you know, they were, they were such an inspiration to him that it gave him I think, you know, at times, difficult times when you might want to give up, I think it gave him that courage, like, hey, I got to I gotta take care of myself so I can get to that next level. And, and sort of that desire to keep battling because he's a fighter just like, just like you are. And uh, it, was, it was amazing for, for the support that they gave him. And I think that at the same time, it brought them all closer because, you know, they've been brothers since the day he arrived. It, it doesn't matter where they go, they're a unit four of them go together and uh, they all they, they all are different obviously but they respect that and uh, they're best buddies I mean you know their happiest days are when the four of them are together doing some sort of activity so you know it could adversely affect um, the children I mean you, you're absolutely right when you have a mom and dad that you know have taken on you know a, not only a, a career but now we have a child that's sick that's really sick and you're away during the day and the night um, and we're fortunate to have a great support system. You know, we have two amazing and wonderful families. So that was certainly a huge part of it. Yeah, but the boys were doing it. They were doing it from a place of their heart. And I think that 
you know, coming to it from a place of your heart and buying into, you know, what we were going to do. Um, I, you know, we never had to worry that there was, there was, so to speak, drama at home. And then, you know, thankful for, for all of our wonderful parents and siblings, you know, they were able to step in and help us out as well. Rusty, this has been a difficult season for all of us. COVID-19, changes in society, political divisiveness. Many of us are struggling, whether it's financially or physically in our health, various areas of life. For those who are struggling right now, you've been through a couple of recessions. You've lost some family members. You've been through some storms with Ryan and other boys in your family. What are some things that you practice daily to keep your mindset where it needs to be in order to control the things that you can and ultimately let go of all the various things that you have utterly no control over? What, what do you do to stay sharp? Yeah, so I mean, a, a triple pandemic that we've never seen um, anything like a, a is uh you know certainly a challenging time and and for us you know we try to find the opportunity in everything and it's certainly a challenge where you know you can look at you know the all the problems and the excuses and, and what we've tried to do is look at it very much differently and and we've tried to say okay you know what are those things that we can do and so when you think about the business sense you know yeah you can't we're, we're a customer-based company with a repetitious customer model you can't see them, but we're gonna we're gonna go out and we're gonna we're gonna push ourselves. We're gonna take advantage of the opportunity, and we're gonna have virtual meetings and we're gonna have virtual happy hours. And and so we've used it really as an opportunity uh, for us. And and you know I admire all of our Keelians for being able to do that. And then when you think about the community too, and it's community in need um, through our foundation through Keely Cares, we reached out to a lot of the waiters in St. Louis and said, you know, with with this pandemic, what can we do? What impact can we make? And, and they really guided us to food drives uh, with the Urban League. And so we're able to do two different things that, that, that bring such joy to our folks because we're time treasures and talent. And uh, we've been able to not only go to the most generous people in the world, which uh, the St. Louis community is so philanthropic, and we were able to go to a bunch of CEOs uh, that are friends, and we raised 500,000 in 10 days with the help of the RBC and Kathy Osborne um, from these amazing leaders. And then with gifts and kind from local food providers, we were able to raise you know, another million bucks. And we committed to doing four food drives um, in the month of May. And the impact is about 5,000 families get food for about two weeks. And it is uh, just an amazing event and we stagger the locations. And, and as we were doing this, um, you know, our leader, Mary Sly of the Keely Cares Foundation came to me after about the third one and said, hey, what do you think of us committing to 20 more? And we're going to do them every Saturday in the summer. And it is just extraordinary. And, and it's, it, we're completely safe. Everybody has a mask, gloves. But to see these folks that line up at three in the morning to get food at noon is, uh, you know, just something that, you know, it's hard to understand. And to know that you make a, an impact like that, it just brings such joy. And then as well, with, we're fortunate enough to have offices across the country. And we called it our stimulus package, but we essentially gave every office uh, a, a chunk of change. And we said, you have 60 days to distribute this to anyone you desire that's been adversely affected by the pandemic. And then also, if you can raise money on your own, we'll match that money. 
And when you look across the country and you look at some of those, you know, whether it's food pantries or other outreach programs, uh, it's, it's pretty cool the effect uh, that we've been able to have um, in the midst of a crisis. So we've, we've used it, you know, really as an opportunity to try to do good. And mm. it's, uh, albeit unfortunate, you know, I'm, I'm really super proud of the impact that, that our Keelians have been able to have out in, out in the communities we serve, which we're so grateful to be a part of. Brother, I know you well enough that when something goes wrong, you love using the word I, and when things go well, you use the word we. And you seldom refer to we as my team or, or the employees. You call them Keelians. Why do, you, why do you use that language? Why Keelians? I'm not a big fan of the word employee. I think it really creates a different class of people. And, you know, I, I totally believe in the golden rule and equality, and we're all created equal in God's eyes. And, and you know, we, we called them team members. And, uh, you know, our marketing team, who's phenomenal, came up with the word Keelian. And it really just stuck. And it's, it's really, it's, it's a we. I mean, you walk in the door of any of our offices and, and there's, there's not, there, obviously there's, there's different levels of the organization, but we're one. And so it's, uh, it's been pretty phenomenal. It, it's really helped our culture, knowing that we have that one approach and that we care about each individual, regardless of your skin color, regardless of your religion, regardless of your role at the company. Right. You are as important as the CEO and as important as the company that has somebody maybe cleaning up the office after. And, and the impact, of, you know, one of the great, great things about two Saturdays ago is walking up and down the food line. And one of the guys, because you have on masks, he's like, hey, Rusty. I'm like, hey, how are you? And he's like, y'all know who I am. And he pulled down his mask. He goes, I'm Patrick. Now, he's Patrick. He's the guy who cleans our office in the middle of the night he's out there on a saturday at a food drive you know so you, you you create this culture that's pretty cool by you know he's a keelian you know i don't care if he works for somebody else he's a keelian so it's um it's part of part of the culture and and we're lucky that we have such great people but we we treat them different i mean we truly do care about each person and their success my mornings start you know early in the morning on my exercise bike I get a report of everybody's birthday and it was a lot of fun when we had a hundred people to write a hundred <laughs> birthday emails, you know, and now we have 1800, you know? So for instance, today, I think there were, there were eight or nine birthdays. And so I start every morning by sending, you know, each, each uh, Keelian that has the B day and then I blind copy um, all the companies. So, you know, theoretically somebody has a birthday and they get 500 messages from you know other Keelians and you know hey John happy birthday you know I hope you have a great day thanks for doing you know such a great job on the last project with me and so it's uh it's it's that sort of approach with people because you know we're we're all created equal and I also believe that if you get the right people and you put them in the right seats you're always going to get the results and so that's really been the approach when we look at um as it relates to people and our business. Rusty, the focus, as I see it, was always other-oriented, and the other was the team members. You were generous. You gave quite a bit anonymously, you, but you weren't seeking the attention, and that began to change when a colleague of, of yours suggested, you, you got to make sure that people understand the impact that you're having, not for ego, but so that they follow suit. Would you talk about the birth of Keely Cares and then talk about the impact of that, not it's really in the community, which has been profound, but of the impact of that within your culture. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's leading from the heart. 
and you know you can you can get it right when you lead from the heart and you know joy and i obviously had a hobby for you know doing work in the community uh together and you know a group of killians said hey we want to be a part of that and you know my my selfish response was you know there's there's sort of the business side and then there's the personal side and you know that's sort of the personal side and then yeah, they they encouraged me, um, you know, quite forcefully. They said, "No, you're wrong. Let us let us be part of it." And uh, my amazing father-in-law, um, his goal was to eventually retire and and be able to give back in different ways. And and so with with the Keelians, you know, uh, forcing me to take a look at getting um, them involved in the community, as well as having this amazing father-in-law. And then knowing that it was Julie and I's passion, um, we came up with, you know, creating a foundation and, and named Akili Cares. And uh, it, absolutely incredible. I mean, it's centered around, you know, there's four buckets, children, health, community, and education. Yeah, you know, we focus on time, treasures, and talent. We're not check writers. I mean, we do write checks, but we want people to be involved. So. You know, the guidelines to get Keely Cares money is you have to get five Keelians across any of our verticals together. Uh, you present to the committee, which if you fall into one of those buckets, everything's approved. And then if you raise a thousand dollars, we match dollar for dollar, and then we match 50 cents uh, from there on out. Um, and then with that, there's a volunteer time off um, as well. And when you think about, um, you know, it's hard, to, it's hard to say your community outreach program um, creates ROI. But when you look at our culture, because you just worked with 50 people on a food line, and right. uh, you know, I got to talk to interns, I didn't even know that were out there yet to say, hey, what role are you in? And you get to know that person. It's incredible for not only your culture, but it's incredible for recruiting and tenure. And at the same time, you're, you're doing good, you're giving back. And if I've always believed that if you give back freely, you're going to get more in return. And, you know, since, uh, since Dick James started that, we now have Mary Sly running it. And, um, you know, she's, she's such a good person, so well-known in the community, has such a good heart. And when you look at Keely Cares, it's just, it's part of our DNA um, of, of what we do. And, it, you know, it's, it, it's helped um, in a way, it's helped get us the brand exposure. We didn't do it for that reason. Um, but it's, uh, it's just been an incredible program. There's, there's, I guarantee you there's something going on today or tonight, um, somewhere in one of the communities we serve. Rusty, I could spend the vast majority of my day speaking with you, not run out of time, spend a lot of time laughing and loving and wiping tears and then hug you on the way out. But I also understand that our listeners are busy and so are you, my friend. So we're going to move toward the finish line together of our conversation by going through the live inspired seven these questions, Rusty, tether all of my guests together. These are phenomenal authors and leaders and overcomers, and you fit right in. So question number one for Rusty Keeley. Rusty, what is the best book that you have ever read? Maybe one of the most impactful or influential books in your life. That's a hard question. Uh, one book. So um, if, if you'd allow me, I might break it down into a couple segments. But from a business perspective, there's a book called Growing Pains by Eric Flamholtz. Yeah. And what I love about that is he wrote it in 1986. And the book is really still the same. There's new editions of it, but it stood the test of time. And when you think about great business book writers like Jim Collins and Good to Great, you know, a lot of those companies went bankrupt. 
Um, but when you think about Eric and uh, some of the models that he laid out about growing a business um, and then with an entrepreneurial spirit and taking it from a mom and dad or mom and pop culture into a professionally managed, um, that's one of my favorites. When I think about my relationship with Julie, and I was fortunate enough to, to hear him speak, you know, one of the ones that I love is Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, um, just a just an outstanding guy. And uh, that was helpful for me, um, trying to learn my wife's love language and uh, <laughs> certainly benefited from that. I thought it was uh, worth it. I would have thought of, Julie uh, was service. Is Julie not service? I thought, no, she's I thought she's words of affirmation, which, you know, by the time I, you know, she walks out and the boys here, they're like, you look beautiful. And I'm, you know, I'm like, well, you guys just stole my thunder, but it's quality time. Quality and time. so, you know, that's been, that's been great to know, right? Because if we're a little bit off track, you know, let's let's go on a date or or let's go out of town. And then when you think of, uh, you know, I love stories like yours. I got to be honest, the first book your mom and dad wrote, Overwhelming Odds. I remember sitting on a plane, which any of the listeners, if you read that book, do not do it on a plane because <laughs> everybody is just going to see you crying your eyes out. Um, and, you know, I love, uh, you know, On Fire and uh, your new book is phenomenal. I encourage all listeners to get that. And then, you know, we're from St. Louis, so you got to you gotta love some of the uh, the last strike uh, from the World Series back in 2011 um, are, are some of my favorites. And then other other books about people, um, you know, like Shoe Dog and things of those na nature, you know, I mean, I, I've always loved those type of reads as well. Rusty, what's one positive characteristic or one trait that you had growing up, my neighbor, that you wish you exhibited as brilliantly today? So it's uh, there, there's this quote, leaders are, are visionaries with a poorly defined or developed sense of fear and an understanding of the odds against them. And uh, when, when I think about the entrepreneurial spirit of our companies and the growth, um, you know, I wish that I had a little bit more of that, you know, uh, younger, um, no sense of fear, because now we analyze the risk and it's just a little bit different. We are doing it much smarter, but I do miss a little bit of that, you know, hey, here's an idea. Let's go do it um, in myself. Dude, if you had any more of that spirit within yourself, uh, I would have to tie you down to keep you safe from yourself. So uh, we'll, we'll move now on to question number three. Keely, if your home caught fire and your four boys, your beautiful wife, all the pets are out safe and you have an opportunity to run in and grab one item, what's that one thing you come racing back outside with? Well, knowing I already won, you know, I got my beautiful wife outside. I got my four amazing boys with me. I have my three dogs. I mean, that's, I got what I need. I mean, I, I truly do. Um, if I had to go back in, you know, it's, it's probably grab my backpack and try to throw a couple of my favorite watches in there and run back out. But, you know, um, with everything on the cloud, you know, those pictures in that computer that are so dear to my heart, um, I could have access to otherwise. But, you know, I would go in and get my backpack. If you could sit on a bench on a perfect day, like the day that you and I are recording this episode and have a long conversation with anybody living or dead, who would you like to be seated right next to, next to? Yeah, so I have these three phenomenal Jays in my life. You know, the first is, is Joy. I mean, obviously I get to talk to her and I get her wisdom all the time, which is, which is fantastic as well as her, her spirit and energy. Um, two others uh, would be my mother, you know, she died in 08 very suddenly. 
Um, and, you know, it'd be great. So she was 67 at the time. It'd be great to sit and just say, hey, what do you think? You know, what are, what are we doing well? What can we improve on? You know, what's your, what's your motherly wisdom for the future? Um, would be a fun conversation. And I have another one, uh, another Jay. Her name was Jan Teresi Mokwa, who was just a, a huge inspiration in my professional career. Uh, you know, as close to me as, as anybody has ever been um, to the point where I had to do her eulogy. Um, and, and she really helped create this process that we call the Keeley Way which really has defined who we are with, you know, five-year lookouts of vision, business plans, org charts and budget, and then how we take it into uh, a metric that's in pen, which is our scorecard, which never changes. You commit to it on January 1st and you drive to it to December 31st, and then you really tie in an action plan system that holds people accountable. Um, and our model was achieve results on purpose. And, uh, you know, we've perfected that on the past 15 years, and it's also been the single most important process that we have at the Keeley Companies. It's non-negotiable. And, and having, you know, just a conversation with her to, to be able to say, how are we doing and what's next uh, would be just awesome. Mm. What's the best advice Jan or your mom or Julie or anybody else ever gave you? I, you know, I think it's fail often, fail fast, fail forward. Um, you know, when you have a, an entrepreneurial spirit minded company, you're going to, you're going to make mistakes. And, you know, I think for our people and for our partners, you know, we own our mistakes. We don't, we don't sweep them under the table. We actually talk about them and write white papers on them and do Keeley universities on them. And we own the issues that we might have with, you know, that customer that you've had for 30 years. And I think that, you know, really it's helped us by being able to focus on, hey, you're going to have those failures. You know, it's what you do with them. And, you know, those are just incredible. When you look at your life, you learn more from failures and they're learning opportunities. And so uh, that's probably uh, the best advice I got years and years ago. And it's, it's really helped me when some of those challenging times have come. But the other one that I love too is a quote by Babe Ruth, which uh, it's, his quote was, it's hard to beat somebody that never gives up. And, you know, I think when I think about the spirit and the energy, whether it's personally or professionally or Keelians, um, you know, we're not going to win every time, but you better come prepared to beat us and you better be willing to stay out there longer than we are because uh, we're not going to give up. And if you win, we're going to give you a big hug and say congratulations. Mm. What would you tell your 20 year old self? Don't take yourself too seriously, um, you know, and, and try to, uh, you know, as a dad, you know, try to enjoy more of those moments. You can't, you can't get them back. Um, and, you know, I would probably, probably say, uh, you know, lighten up a little bit. <laughs> Your kids might say that too, back to you. I think it's good advice <laughs> here, Rusty. And the final question for my friend is Rusty Keeley. It has been said that all, great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How would you like your one sentence to read? You know, for me, it's about um, leaving the world a better place than when I got here. And it's about being able to make a, a difference in somebody's life. And the greatest joy I get as a leader is when I see somebody do something they didn't think they could do. And when I see those, um, 
those leaders or those craftspeople or some of the amazing people um, that are Keelians, when, when I see them achieve a result just because they, they worked hard, they didn't give up, and they achieved something greater than what they thought, I mean, that's, that, that brings all the joy to me. It's not about results. It's about letting people be themselves and achieve great things. And that's, uh, that's, that's, where, that's where it starts and where, that, where it ends with me. Well, man, it's a perfect bookend to our conversation because that's where it began today with me celebrating the impact that you had on my professional journey. Uh, a kid who in his, his late 20s did not believe in himself, did not believe he had a story that was worthy of being shared, did not believe he had a platform that he could do anything of significance with until one executive came in, invited me down to Lake Ozark and said, I believe in you. And you believed in me now more than a dozen times, bringing, bringing me back into your organization, introducing me to several dozen of your contacts, bringing your folks into our leadership seminars, being on my board of advisors. And when the opportunity, Rusty, came along for us to be partners with the podcast, we've had a whole lot of people say, we wanna sponsor the podcast. And we've always told them no, because it wasn't a perfect synergistic fit. When Keely came along and his Keelians and Keely Cares, it's a perfect fit from a guy that I look up to and consider not only a mentor, but a great friend. So Rusty Keely, thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your leadership and thank you for your example. John, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> my friends, that is my friend and now yours, Rusty Keeley. You're going to hear a lot more about our friendship, our partnership in the episodes to come. He is living exhibit A of what it looks like to live inspired, and he's a reminder, my friends, that in spite of some headwinds and some challenges, that the best days remain in front of us. So for this time and until next time, my name is John O'Leary, and this is your day, Live Inspired. And now, a word from our friends at Keeley Companies. Keeley Companies builds communities with the power of one. Six distinct brands come together as one single source for construction, infrastructure, technology, wireless, logistics, and development solutions. Their true differentiator is building people within communities through their world-class culture focused on safety, education, community service, wellness, and inclusion, all using their unique strategic process to achieve results on purpose, lovingly called the Keeley Way. Keeley Companies is beyond proud to sponsor the Live Inspired podcast and alliance with a vision of making the world a better place.